Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today, we are talking about parenting children with special needs and adoption. We are joined by my friend and member of my local church, Corinne Orion. She talks about her own experience as a mama to two girls with medical special needs and their journey to adopt their third child, who shares the same medical diagnosis as their other two children. We get to talk about God's heart for orphans and how we as believers are called to love and care for the vulnerable. I can't wait for you to get to know Corinne. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Daily Grace. My name is Joanna, and I am here with my co-host, Stephanie. Hi, guys. And we are really excited to be introducing a special guest to you today. Um, Her name is Corinne Orion, and she is a friend of mine. We go to church together, and it's actually pretty cool that I actually knew Corinne's husband before I ever knew her. When I was in high school, I worked at Chick-fil-A, and he was my manager at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Long long time ago. (laughs) It's so funny how that works out, and then we met years and years later. So, Corinne, we are so excited to have you join us today. Thank you so much for coming on Thank the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Excited. Um, you know, if you wouldn't mind, could you just introduce yourself to our listeners? We'd love to hear maybe who you are, a little bit about your family, maybe what your typical day looks like. Absolutely. Uh, like Joanna said, I'm Corinne. I'm married to Jason. We were high school sweethearts um, and we have now been married for 14 years. I was a nurse, and now I'm a full-time mama to our two girls, Amory, who is almost 10, and Riley, who is 3. Our girls have a craniofacial syndrome called Treacher-Collins syndrome. It affects the bones of the face. It impacts hearing, feeding, breathing, and speech. They've had 30 or so surgeries. Wow. It's the same that um, the character Augie had in the book, the movie Wonder. Um, And at the time of this recording, we are just a few weeks away for leaving for China to bring home our little boy through adoption. He is four, and he also has the same syndrome. So both of your daughters have Treacher-Collins syndrome, right? Yes. And did you know that they were going to have this syndrome when you were pregnant? Uh, No, not at all. I had never actually even heard of it, even as a nurse. Uh, Yeah, I had never heard of it. I had never seen any babies at the hospital with it. Wow. And going into our second pregnancy, we had a 50-50 chance of having another child with Treacher Collins. And through the Lord's leading, we just felt a peace about having another baby. Mm. And we have our little sweet Riley. And Riley is the sweetest. If you had the chance (laughs) to meet Riley, she is just so precious. And Amory is so precious, too. (laughs) I know... My little Eliana loves seeing Amory at yeah, church. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, super, super sweet girls. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for kind of introducing yourself to sure. us. I know you mentioned that you are going to be adopting your son here mm-hmm. um, in the next month, right? Yes. About, about one, a month from one now. Week, one month. You know, I would love to hear, you know, what is it that pushed you towards adoption? You know, what is it in God's word um, that pushed you towards adoption? James one twenty seven says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows. Mm. Uh, the early church really stood out so much because of this. They were so countercultural um, in just the way that they cared for orphans and mm-hmm. for widows. They really mirrored the gospel in this. Um, also, John 14.18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Um, God also uses adoption to explain the gospel. In Ephesians, he says, In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. You know, God has a heart for the fatherless. 
Psalm 146.9 says, The Lord upholds the fatherless. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing those verses. I think it um, really encourages us to have a right mindset and kind of remember what the heartbeat of God is, that he um, wants to be a father to the fatherless, and that being believers, that we should come alongside him in that work to some degree. Um, So I'm really excited to have you on today and to chat with you. Um, So the way that I kind of got to know about you was through Joanna. She had sent me your guys's adoption video. And (laughs) yeah, it was so obvious to me, um, seeing you and your husband on that video, that your family just really wanted to image our God through the process of adoption. And it was really beautiful. And I was wondering if you could kind of share how the doctrine of adoption has influenced the human practice of adoption in your life and in your family. Absolutely. Adoption really has shaped my understanding of the gospel in such a tangible Mm -hmm. way, not just head knowledge, but to actually experience it. Mm, Um, You know, as we've already talked about, God cares about adoption because it mirrors his heart. Yeah. He has a heart that cares about the forgotten, the hopeless who have no way of changing their circumstances by their own doing. Mm -hmm. A heart that, you know, he doesn't just redeem our circumstances, but as a loving father, God gives us all the rights and privileges of a son. Mm -hmm. And doing so is costly and messy. We always say, for my own adoption, it cost him his very own son. Yeah. You know, and my children, both adopted and the homegrown ones, have a need for a savior, but that savior is not me nor my husband. David Platt says it's important to realize that we adopt not because we're rescuers. No, we adopt because we are the rescued. Mm. Yeah, as I hear you talking about, you know, this costly adoption, you know, that God. God's adoption of us was costly. And I just think about all those verses that you quoted. And um, it gives me goosebumps thinking about, you know, just what God has done for us and the opportunity that you have to image that. You know, I know that it's not an easy process. No, it's not. Um, (laughs) Not at (laughs) all. There's probably a lot of uh, doubt of like how things are going to work out. A lot of the unknown, all these questions. You know, I'm just curious in the midst of, of all of that, this whole process, what role has God's word played throughout your experience, both through this um, this adoption process and even going back to, you know, talking about these unknowns of your daughters with Treacher Collins syndrome? What, what role has God's word played throughout these experiences? I think the biggest thing, the way that God's word play, has shaped our sort of parenting journey is just really that our hope is in Christ and it's not in our circumstances. You know, our circumstances can change in the blink of an eye. We went into parenting, I won't say super confident, but you know, I was an OB nurse. I had a lot of experience with babies and that kind of thing. And so we just sort of went into it thinking that we knew how it was going to go and it definitely didn't, didn't go that way. Hmm. Um, you know, we were shocked by the diagnosis. And, you know, as your first baby, you have all these expectations yeah. for your delivery and this and that. And, yeah, clearly we were surprised. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> again, we would not trade a second of it. But it was it was hard. And we had to grieve what we felt like in a selfish way was our right to this mm-hmm. 2.5 kids that are healthy and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we started out our parenting journey in a a very challenging way. When my daughter was born, she was transferred to another hospital and she was there for a month. Mm. She had surgery right away. Um, so when you start oh, off, <laughs> you know, parenting in that, that way, it's very challenging. And mm. just the only thing we could do was to just trust God and to come to grips with his sovereignty and that Mm. he knew my little girl and designed her that way. And he was there in all of the circumstances. I always tell people it's a blessing coming, coming to the grips with both kids that, you know, they could possibly pass away. Mm. Um, And I think it's just that constant reminder that our children don't belong to us, that they Mm. are God's and we are, entrusted to care for them, you know, and then just also having that 
very tangible, physical reminder of surrendering our kids because, like I said, they've had 30 or so surgeries. And so every few months we have to literally hand over our kids. And it's just Mm -hmm. a tangible reminder that, you know, God is trustworthy and he's in control of all those things. Wow. Have there been any passages of scripture that have just been, you know, especially comforting to you or have just especially shown you God's character in the midst of this whole journey? Yes, absolutely. Before my kids have surgery, I always try to remind myself, um, Isaiah forty eleven says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. Mm-hmm. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. You know, the Lord is a, is a caring father and he loves my kids even more than I do. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, not just, he's so tender about it and he um, cares for them and he cares for us. And even in the little details. Yeah, I absolutely love that verse. And that is such a comfort because I think that, you know, we love our babies so much and we so want what's best for them. And I think that Sometimes we kind of get into thinking that we absolutely know what's best. But to know that God, as our Father, knows what's best for us and what's best for our children and that we can trust Him in that, that is such a comfort. It's real for all of us, right? Whether our kids have disabilities or not, that our kids are not our own. They're entrusted to us. And who knows what tomorrow is going to bring? So it's it's an encouragement to me even to live with open hands with my kids like who knows what tomorrow is going to be but to trust in a god that does know what Mm. tomorrow is going to bring and that he is going to be faithful and tender to us no matter what's going to happen um so i just i don't know hearing you talk it just reminds me of just this um road of sanctification that mother is (laughs) and parenthood is and um yeah, and it's for your good, it's for my good, but ultimately for God's glory. So Absolutely. When we were praying about having another child, the verse that the Lord brought to me is um, in Isaiah 43, and just to kind of sum it up, he said, you know, he's talking to Israel, and he's saying that he created them, and he formed them. And I just mm-hmm. thought about that. You know, he says that he will be with us, but that he creates them for his glory. He formed them and made them. And I just, it gave me such a peace knowing that, you know, granted it, we were signing up for potentially a very hard road, um, but that my daughter would be formed for God's glory, not for Mm -hmm. my own, but for his. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said that even though it's hard, like it's not like God knew that and it was part of his plan to bring himself glory. Um, and that's also the plan in the doctrine of ad- adoption. Like that was his plan and it was for his glory and for our good ultimately. And we've come to realize that hard isn't necessarily bad. Yeah. It's just different. I think sometimes we get so so afraid of hard, mm-hmm. but sometimes hard is, it's okay. It's hard, but it's it's not bad. I don't know um, exactly the walk that you're going on, but I know that was very pivotal for me to realize that it says like directly in the Bible that the narrow way is hard. There are only few that find it. And I remember when my eyes were kind of open to that truth, I was like, it says clearly here in the word of God that the narrow way is hard. Yet (laughs) I was just thinking, you know, questioning if I'm, am I on the path? Because, you know, like sometimes it's like resistance and hardships kind of question like, oh, are we in line with God's will? Are we, right? you know, but no, <laughs> it's the narrow way is hard. And, and I think hard looks different for um, all of us. But yeah, it's encouraging for me to hear you say like hard is hard, but that doesn't always mean hard is bad. Right. Exactly. And I'm not trying to trivialize because being a parent of a special needs or a medically tricky kid is very hard. I'm not trying to minimize that. I mean, you know, I've worked night shift at a hospital and all that, that, that has, that doesn't even compare to the level of tired yeah. <laughs> parenting through surgeries and hospital stays and wondering if your kid is breathing at night, oh, that Lord. kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, Stephanie, as you were saying, like, 
man, am I in God's will? (laughs) If this is so hard, maybe I'm doing something wrong. It makes me think of when scripture tells us that God's will for us is our sanctification. And you know, Corinne, I hear you talking about and Stephanie, you talking about this parenting thing is a sanctification process. And so yeah, hard, hard is for our good. And how often do I go to the Lord when my child is about to have surgery and they're millimeters for from their brain and all this Mm. kind of stuff. But yet, when my child has a bad attitude Mm. or I'm struggling with this parenting issue or that, you know, how often do I go to the same God who is able to walk with us through Mm. surgeries and um, scary times, but yet in my day to day, sometimes I'm just ignorant of going to him. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's convicting for me, (laughs) you know, because, yeah, you kind of think go to him in the really hard things, but he's here with us through all of it. And like he is the one who gives us strength. You know, we don't need to think we have enough strength to deal with the discipline issues and the day to day, you know, little things that come up. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, adoption has really, again, we are in no way his rescuer. That's absolutely ridiculous. But knowing for our little boy how many blessings he has, how much love. I mean, we are just desperate to come to him, and yet right now he has no idea. Mm -hmm. And so I just think of that. How often do I live my life like that, just unaware of Mm -hmm. God's love and how he wants to come to me and, and show his love and his faithfulness? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is such a huge part of what makes adoption beautiful because like you guys chose your son um to be a part of your family to have your family name and and that's that's the gospel right like that god chose us to be children of god to be have this new identity and um to come along and be co-heirs with christ so i yeah i just love that your story is a tangible um, representation of like the gospel. I've had a few friends that have um, adopted kids and I've, you know, only had the privilege to walk with them in a very, very small way, whether that's just through prayer and financial support. But as I've witnessed their, um, you know, stories unfold, I've also realized that there is so much brokenness in adoption that, you know, adoption exists because there are um, broken families and abandoned children and unmet needs. That kind of reminds me that there's a need for grief in the process of adoption. So if you didn't mind sharing, what role um, has grief played, does grief play in the process of adoption? Yeah, you're exactly right. Adoption is beautiful, but at its heart is so much loss. Mm. There can be the loss for the birth parent who may have had to make an adoption plan because of age or circumstances. Maybe the birth parent facing poverty or a child that needs medical care. Um, There's a loss for the adopted child. With our little guy, we got to choose him and to prepare for the transition We will get to come home to a country where we know the language, Mm -hmm. share a culture, and have familiar food. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't get to do any of that. I mean, can you imagine your preschooler suddenly going home with a Chinese couple that he's never met, leaving behind all that's familiar and routine? Mm -hmm. It's pretty traumatic. Mm -hmm. Adoption can also involve grief for couples facing infertility as they deal with the loss of, you know, how they thought their family would be formed um, and try to heal before starting the adoption process, which can come with its own ups and downs. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times we don't think about that. You know, we just think about we're bringing this child Mm -hmm. home and we forget that this is going to be a huge change for Mm -hmm. them. And even if they aren't in a good situation, it's still what they know, right? It's still what's familiar. And so I can just imagine that you've probably (laughs) just gone to God in prayer a lot about about that very issue. Yes. So, you know, I hear you talking about how, you know, you've never experienced fatigue like you have <laughs> when <laughs> yes. you're going through all of this. And I'm sure even in this this whole adoption process, I'm sure it's emotionally draining. You know, I know you've talked it about is. how you thought you were going to adopt your son a long time ago. Yes. And, you know, things just come up. And, you know, in the midst of all of this, do you ever experience burnout? 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I mean, I think burnout is common to parenting in general. <laughs> um, but I think especially special needs parenting or, you know, medically fragile parenting and adopt adoptive parenting mm. uh, is just tough. It's tough physically. I mean, with both of my girls, the first year of their life is it is just hard, hard, hard physically and emotionally. Um, you know, everything is new with our kids. We had to learn a whole new language. We learned sign language. Yeah. Um, just learn medical jargon. Right. And tube feedings and all that kind of thing. So it it's just, it's very, very tough. So how do you approach that? You know, how, how does your faith and how does your knowledge of the word of God how does that help you through those experiences of burnout? You know, what do you do? Because I think we've all felt that of just thinking, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Right. <laughs> I just want to like stay in bed. Right. And just can someone away. just like take my kid for the right. day? So how do you work through that based on what you know to be true about God? I think the biggest thing is just reminding my heart what I do know is true, what God's word says. Mm. Um, and also just to check, where is my identity? Mm. Am I putting it in myself? Am I trying to be God and know everything and do all the things? Yeah. Because that's when I'm going to burn out. Um, you know, and also just knowing that in light of the fact that God is sovereign, that and that I'm not God, that I need rest. Yeah. And sometimes that's just not possible. I mean, when you have a little baby that is tube feeding and you have, you know, oxygen monitors going off in mm -hmm. the night and all that kind of thing, sometimes physical rest is just not possible. But again, it it can't be based on our circumstances. Um, and and sometimes there are. We have to, I have to say no. And yeah. for this season, say, I can't do this or I can't do that. And I've got to take things off my plate in order to simplify, which is very hard, yeah. very, very hard because I want to just do all the things. Yeah. You know, when I hear you talking, I think about how much pride can come into our parenting. Yes. And such the, of a need for humility that we have. You know, I hear you talking about like, you know, we get burned out a lot of times because we want to do everything and we mm. think we can do right. everything. And isn't it amazing that it's when we say, I can't do it, <laughs> that yes. that's when God's strength comes absolutely. and fills in that gap. And, you know, I'm struck by that because I see that absolutely in my life of, oh, yeah, I almost like being a martyr sometimes, right. you know, like, oh, I'm going to do all of these things to do what's best for my kid. And I'm going to like make my children be the smartest, most well-behaved, all of these things. But thinking that I have the strength to do that on my own, and that's exhausting. It is. But there's such rest, I think, in recognizing, like, wait a second, I'm not the one who transforms my kids. I'm not the one who changes my kids. But God is the one who works in their hearts and in their lives. Absolutely. Hmm. And God's word says, you know, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and you can be physically exhausted, but still have joy and mm. and rest. Could you maybe give us some practical ways that you have done that? Um, maybe ways that you have found to renew your strength in the Lord, or maybe ways that you have found to rest, whether that's reaching out for help or, you know, we talked a lot about on one of our previous episodes how sometimes when you have a new baby, for example— you could maybe even just write down a Bible verse on a note card and meditate on it throughout the day. Because that's all you could do, you know. Right. But could you give us maybe some practical ways that you have found to rest and to renew your strength in God? You know, my husband would probably laugh at this question because I'm not good at resting and I'm <laughs> terrible at asking for help. So mm. he'll probably laugh at this. But <laughs> uh, it it is very hard. and And sometimes, you know, when you're in a very medically complex situation, mm -hmm. it's hard to ask for help because there's literally no one that can help. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's not that many people that know how to tube feed or 
place an NG tube or make sure your kid is in the right position so they don't stop breathing at night or things mm-hmm. like that. So for special needs parents, sometimes that can be very, very tough. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to scare people away from special needs parenting because it is it is wonderful, but that's a very real challenge. You know, there's just there's a lot of isolation, you know, when maybe when other families are going to play dates or to the park. Mm-hmm. Maybe a special needs family would be going to speech therapy or to a doctor's appointment. So it can be very isolating. Or sometimes they have a difficult time going to church because the church is just not equipped to provide child care for their child. Right. You know, I think it's really good for us to hear about, you know, the hard reality of it. And, you know, whether we are those who are considering you know, adopting or who are facing um, the reality of raising children with special needs, or maybe those who aren't and who know people in their church um, that they can come alongside. You know, I'm really just curious to know how can the local church practice advocacy in regard to families pursuing adoption or parents of kids with special needs? And, you know, how how has your church community come alongside your family? And, you know, maybe as those who are listening and saying, man, I want to help, but it sounds like I can't, you know, maybe they can't help with the medical issues. But what are some ways that your church community can come alongside those who are um, who are pursuing adoption or who are parenting children with special needs? Sure. I think one of the biggest things is special needs and adoptive families uh, both have long-term needs. This is not just a quick thing and it's over. Yeah. I heard one foster family describe themselves as being chronically needy. Hmm. And it, and it's true. You just these are these are long-term needs. So I think one of the biggest things is just hang in there with them for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Stick it out with them. I think as far as supporting adoption, something that would mean a lot is to learn about the process so mm-hmm. you can check in with them along the way. People typically understand the process of pregnancy, but not always right. the process of adoption. And there's different steps and um, learning some of the steps so you could celebrate with that family when they've reached certain milestones. That will really mean a lot. Yeah. That's so interesting because you're right. You know, we know if someone's pregnant, you ask them, how are you feeling? Have you had morning sickness? If they're like later on in the pregnancy, any progression, you know, they, you know the questions right. to ask of like, how was the ultrasound and all of these different steps? And right. is it a boy or a girl? You know, you kind of know what's coming. But that's so interesting. I think that a lot of us wouldn't think about that, that there are all these steps along the way and things that you would want to celebrate and have people walk alongside you in those things. Right. You can't necessarily say, oh, I we got our I-800A. Yeah. Be like, what? Okay, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you you feel like a parent. I mean, you feel pregnant and not in obviously the physical way, but you feel like we're adding to our family. You're mm-hmm. so excited. And then, yeah, it is it is different. And it's it's a little less glamorous. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's exactly what you need is people to be as excited as you are for this process. Well, and especially because it's such a long, arduous process that mm-hmm. sometimes you just feel like this will never happen. I will never get through this paperwork. I will never be done. And mm-hmm. you need people coming alongside you and really just cheering you on, yeah. saying you will get there. You will meet your child soon. This will be all worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have heard people say that it's like a paper pregnancy or yes, um, but it's not as definite. Like we know that you're not going to go more than 42 weeks if you're physically pregnant. But I mean, in adoption, there's just this waiting and this hard. And I think that, you know, some of the realities that you share, I think we need to hear that, that it's not easy because I don't know, just hearing about you um, saying things like a lot of church nurseries aren't even equipped to take in kids with special needs. And that was actually something that a friend of mine recently noticed in her church and how heartbreaking that is. So I think one of the things that her and I had just talked about is how could we just be loving to our fellow brothers and sisters within the congregation who have um, kids with special needs, what even if that's just these kids are in the service with them because they can't go in the nursery, and how can we as believers come around them and 
and welcome them as brothers and sisters and not but just because I just think like even with my kid if she's loud I think oh my goodness like everyone's looking at me um I want to step out I want to kind of hide away because I don't want to distract I don't want judgment or whatever yes absolutely that that's a big thing and you know for especially for parents of younger children you know that may be the only chance that that person has to have a brain. Exactly. And yeah. Not that they don't want to be with their child, but you know, we we all need time to worship God yeah. and to experience community and fellowship with other believers. Yeah, we had um my daughter when my second daughter when she was little had to bring her into church cuz she was, you know, still too fed and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't want to be like here she is. Bye. See you later. <laughs> so, um but she still had her apnea monitor on at the time. And if you've ever heard an apnea monitor go off, it can wake the dead. I mean, they are so incredibly loud, and rightfully so, because, you know, if your kid's right, heart stops beating, beating, you want to know about it. Right. But it, some, I don't know what happened, but it went off in church. I mean, it was just, where? Oh, man. <laughs> Very embarrassing. So, yeah, just knowing that people understand and aren't going to be looking at you and judging you and right. thinking, oh, what is she doing? Right. Yeah. But that's an encouragement to me to speak that out to if I see that, you know, be like, hey, yes, don't worry about it. Like, we want you here. Absolutely. And also, I think one thing, um, as far as adoption, that can really mean a lot and make that family feel welcome is learning correct language. Mm-hmm. Um, saying birth mom versus real mom, yeah, mm-hmm. or placed for adoption, or made an adoption plan versus saying given up. Um, mm-hmm. Be mindful what you say in front of the child. You know, maybe telling the child that, oh, you're so lucky to be adopted or you should be so grateful mm. or asking very personal questions about their story or saying disparaging things about their birth parents mm. or their country of origin. You know, my husband and I feel very strongly that our son's story before he joined our family is his and yeah. his alone. And and it'll be his to share if and when he feels ready to share that but it's but until then it's not it's not ours to share because it belongs to him and it belongs to his birth mom and that's it's not ours to share and so sometimes it's a challenge for adoptive parents when people want to know very personal details yeah Hmm. also um, when we were talking about child care you know for churches becoming informed about kids from trauma backgrounds and really training um, the people that are providing child care can really help, you know, enable and equip an adoptive family to be able to come and bring their kids. Mm. That's so true. And then it's because it's like you want your pastor to encourage the congregation to adopt in the way that like we we're saying, because, you know, the doctrine of adoption is for many believers uh, what leads them to do the human practice of adoption. Yeah, people will sometimes say to us, adoption is expensive and it comes with lots of unknowns. Um, Honestly, Jason and I just kind of laugh and say, have you met our kids? (laughs) Um, But also know that what God calls your family to will be different than what my family is called to. Uh, You may not be called to adoption. Mm. Um, However, I do think that as Christ followers, we are all instructed to care for the fatherless. Uh, and that may look like taking meals to a foster family, providing respite care, maybe becoming a court-appointed special advocate known as a CASA, or helping support a family's adoption financially. Um, when we were considering adoption, we we had doubts. I mean, I'm going to be um, totally transparent. I mean, we had to examine our hearts and really confront some idols of comfort and safety. Mm-hmm. Um but really just realizing that the safest place to be is walking in obedience to God's call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, we had doubts. Um, it wasn't so much adoption in general. Uh, when I was in college, I went to an orphanage in Guatemala. So really my eyes were open to the orphan crisis. Um, but really just we had doubts about the timing of it. When we first were considering to adopt our little guy, Um, My hubby had just started a new job. He was out of state for training for several months. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we had a medically 
fragile one-year-old at the time. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, we, we had doubts. <laughs> um, and also concerns about if we were going to be able to afford adoption. Uh, most people know adoption is obviously well worth it. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for why it's so expensive, but it it is very expensive. Yeah. We just said really that we're going to take the next step every day and just keep moving forward until God closes doors. Yeah. And I love what you said about the safest place to be is in obedience to God. And, you know, it's so it's like we said earlier, we think that we know what's best and well, I'll be safest if I can guard my resources or if Mm -hmm. I can guard my time or if I can protect my children from things that are changing. And but I just absolutely love that reminder that we see such a limited picture And, you know, when God calls us to something, we can be certain that he will equip us to do it um, and that he he will be in all of those details. He will be in the finances and he will be in your children's response and he will be in every single bit. And how much safer is it to be walking in what God has called you to do than what our limited human minds have perceived as what is best? Absolutely. You know, and really, the issue is that, you know, I don't like to be confronted with my own vulnerability Mm. or my own lack of control. Uh, But really, it's there that I experience the sufficiency of God's provision and his grace, like you were talking about. You know, my husband and I are equipped for a special needs child, not because we have experience or because we have a great healthcare team, which we do, (laughs) but really because we can say with confidence that God is faithful and that the promise that we can draw near to the throne of grace, that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need is absolutely true. Mm. You know, if you're called to adoption or to a special needs child, like you were saying, God will equip you. I mean, really, if we think about it years ago, we would have been really nervous if someone had told us, you're going to have three deaf medically fragile kids, we would have been scared out of our minds and had thought, I'm not equipped for that. I mean, honestly, like, but we can't imagine it any other way. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, let's be real. Does anyone ever feel fully equipped for parenting? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, that makes me think of the saying, like, his mercies are new every day or every morning. And we can't fathom overcoming future obstacles. And that that's right. God kind of made it that way because when those obstacles come, like he will provide the mercies at that time to endure mm. those particular obstacles. Like he didn't give us the mercies today to um, overcome tomorrow or next week's obstacles. And I think that's why we're like, oh, we can never do it. But it's because, yeah, it's God. But he, like you said, God is going to provide right at the perfect time. He's never late. And you can rely on that future grace. Cause I just hear, keep hearing you say, you know, God's gracious. Like you can trust in him and he's faithful and he's provides and, and to realize that, yes, even this future grace, like I, it's going to be sufficient and I can trust in that and I can rest in that. And I might be scared today, but I'm going to trust that his mercies are going to be new that day and um, be sufficient for me to carry me that day at that particular time. Makes me think of the Israelites in the wilderness. I was just thinking that, the manna. Yeah, he gives them manna and he only gives them what they need for that that day. day. Yeah, and with the Israelites in the wilderness waiting for that manna, that daily bread, I'm sure that was just an experience of having to have so much faith and trust in God providing And, you know, I wonder, as you have been experiencing God's mercies coming as you need them, right? And sometimes no sooner. Exactly. (laughs) I wonder how that has um, helped you to grow in your faith, how God has used that to to draw you to him in faith and to to trust in him. I think the biggest thing was just realizing how hard waiting is and how terrible I am at it. (laughs) and I mean, I really welcome to the club, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I really believe, and and this was so eye opening. Just the adoption process that, especially in this country, we don't really often get to get to really experience 
true dependence mm. on God. Um, I mean, we we are dependent on Him, but just just feeling like we have no other options. You know, we're all kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and, right? And yeah. so that's very humbling. Um, and I think just waiting. Our adoption story is a little bit unique, and I know sometimes a myth is that um, international adoption is very unstable and that kind of thing, which is which is not necessarily the case at all. Uh, China adoption is and has been in the past a very streamlined process. It's usually 12 months start to finish. Our situation just happened to be a little bit unique. We were a few months into the process. We had already been matched with our little boy and had seen his picture, which, you know, at that point, it's just game oh. on. I am mama bear. Like, that's don't your you little boy. Dare get between me and yeah. my baby. Um, but China changed some of their adoption laws sort of out of the blue. Hmm. Some a lot of it was for the better. You know, um, Jason, and I wholeheartedly believe that adoption needs to be about finding a family for a child, not finding a child for a family. Mm. Um, and we really believe in the integrity of the process and in using an ethical agency. Yeah. Um, so China changed their laws and in, in some instances in, to protect uh, waiting children. But like I said, we had a one-year-old at the time, and um, China felt that it would be best to have your youngest biological child in the home be three at mm -hmm. the time. Um, and they had loosened some other requirements, so they didn't all tighten everything up. Because we no longer qualified, our adoption immediately fell through. Mm. We lost our match with our little boy. Um, and, you know, once you see that picture, I mean, we were just absolutely devastated. Yeah. You know, I've never had a miscarriage, but it, I'm sure that's what it similar to what it feels like. Mm -hmm. um, and and not only, you know, grieving for ourselves, but also for our little guy, just knowing he's still lingering there. All that to say, this adoption really was impossible. I mean, it was impossible because we didn't meet the requirements. Uh, it fell through in July and. Then we had an opportunity to uh, file an appeal. Hmm. And then um, that following January, so we, you know, we're in six months or so of just limbo. And then we had this glimmer of hope and we were just waiting and, and just really coming to the Lord saying, this is impossible, but God, you are, you are greater than governments hmm. and greater than anything um, and it's it's not impossible for you. You know, Jeremiah, says, he says, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Mm. It was impossible because of the requirements. And then in our human minds, the financial part of it just seemed impossible. I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of money. And mm. we had we had no way of knowing how we were going to do that. And like you're saying, it's just walking forward every day saying that if you're calling us to this, we're just going to be obedient and he will be responsible for the results. And we just mm -hmm. keep walking forward. And really the cool thing is he showed up in ways that we didn't even expect. It was completely mm -hmm. different. You know, I sort of had a, you know, a planner sort of had a plan like, okay, well we could do this or we could do that. And right. God just made sure that there was no way for him not to get the glory mm -hmm. that it was, Everything was unexpected. And it was such a cool thing to be able to show my kids. Mm, I mean, you know, yeah. I was talking with my oldest daughter. We were reading um, the story of Joshua and how he was, you know, they were staying with the Israelites and they're terrified to move forward. Mm. And just telling her that, you know, we're facing this impossible and we're just going to pray that God will provide and just do the impossible mm -hmm. and not be afraid just to be strong and courageous. You know, we love the verse throughout this whole process that says, wait patiently for the Lord, be strong and courageous. Mm -hmm. Don't always get the patiently part down, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but it was so neat because that, that same day that I was telling my kids about Joshua and just to be strong, even though you have no idea how this is going to mm -hmm. work. Um, we received a call that we had received a grant for, very large chunk of what oh, we wow. needed and it was just i mean how many times do you get to 
show your your kids right. that. That's it incredible. Was, it was awesome. And it's interesting because, you know, it's not always that quick. You know, right. we don't right. always right. have, you know, we ask God and he answers immediately. But I love that sometimes he does that. And maybe it's to teach your kids, you know, right. to to let others see his faithfulness and to let you see his faithfulness. And even in that, you know, it's not like you had everything you needed then. No. But just those reminders of God's provision. And sometimes they come quickly and sometimes they don't, but he's still faithful. Absolutely. Hmm. That is so encouraging. Are there any other encouragements that you could give to someone out there that possibly feels led to adopt um, or any particular resources that you'd recommend for them? Definitely. The biggest thing I can say is just to pray about it. Talk with your spouse. um, Do research. There's a lot of information out there. um, And talk with adoptive families. You know, separate the myths from the actuality of it. There are lots of different kinds of adoptions. Mm. Um, Our personal experience is through international adoption, but there are there's domestic adoption, both open and closed adoption, semi-open. There is embryo adoption, adoption through foster care, international adoption, kinship adoption. So there's there's many different kinds, and each one looks different and has different requirements and and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm only speaking to international adoption, but I do want to mention, you know, as believers, it's really powerful to know that if one family out of every three churches in the U S adopted a waiting child, every waiting child in the U S would have a forever family. Wow. That's convicting right there. (laughs) Yeah, and it just reminds me of the need to to talk about these things and to equip the church to to be able to, you know, know the language and know the process and know the need yeah. um, for adoption. Also, don't shy away from adoption because of the cost. Typically, a lot of times dads struggle with this um, more than moms. I mean, it is, it's a lot of money and it's very intimidating. I mean... I think statistics show that a large percentage of people in America consider adoption, but um, it's just a very slim percentage that actually do adopt. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to encourage you about the financial aspect, um, like I shared about the grants, there are lots of grants out there. Um, There's an up to almost $14,000 tax credit uh, for adoption expenses. Hmm. We really scrimped and saved and just squeezed every penny out of our already tight budget. Um, and we did fundraising and, like I said, applied for grants. Also, if if adoption really is insurmountable because of the cost, um, do keep in mind that adoption through foster care often has little to no cost. Hmm. A lot of times people are hesitant um, to go the foster care route Um, Because it is true that the goal of foster care is reunification with birth families, but there are kids that have already legally been cleared for adoption. It's just really encouraging to know that, you know, no matter what the situation, God can provide and there are even things in place to to help with those expenses. Absolutely. One great resource um, online is uh, fundyouradoption.tv. It's a great place to go um, for information about the financial aspects of adoption. Hmm. And I really liked what you shared about, yeah, there's so many resources out there and so many grants and, and people probably have seen many fundraisers. But one thing that I heard from your story was... Um, one, before you guys were considering adoption, you realized that there were some idols, maybe like comfort and things like that. But then also when you did decide to obey and adopt, even in that adoption process, you guys have made sacrifices in terms of, um, you know, being a little disciplined in your spending to yes. put towards your own adoption fund. And that is such a conviction for me. And I have seen this too in my a friend of my family who... Um, just working extra shifts and um, buying things used, even though they didn't have to, they could have lived a very comfortable life. Not that they were uncomfortable, but they could have lived more lavishly, but, but they didn't. And I think, I don't know, for me on the side, like that, that's such an encouragement and, and really a challenge um, 
to really analyze my life or analyze myself like, okay, say that we don't feel called to adopt right now. Is there still um, room in our lives to be able to be a little uncomfortable in order to give and support those who um, are adopting right now? Um, I don't know. I just think think that's just a great invitation to kind of join in in God's work, um, even if we're not called to adopt right now, but to come along families like you and so many families out there. and I, I like that you point out it it is work. It you know, we can't just sit back and say, Oh, well, God will provide. Well, he will, but you also need to tighten your budget. Yeah, when God calls us to something and he you know, he calls us to adopt, for example, you know, I think waiting on God doesn't mean that we just sit around yes. and wait yeah. for him to work, right? Absolutely. It's a, it's an active waiting where we're waiting on him to give the answers. We're waiting on him to give us the opportunity, but that doesn't mean that we're putting in the work of looking for those opportunities, right? Applying for those grants. Right. Which was a lot of Creating fundraisers. (laughs) Those grants, I mean, oh yeah, it was a lot of work. It is. And we, we sold things. We did fundraise. I mean, we, yeah. We put in put in the effort. And, and I think that's just such a cool picture of, you know, the partnership that God calls us to in our Christian walk. Yeah. You know, we talk about how God sanctifies us and, you know, it's God is the one who is making us righteous and sanctifying us, but he calls us to obey and mm-hmm. he calls us to put in the work and put in the discipline. And so, yeah, it's not just that we just wait around, but that right. we, we faithfully trust God to provide as we walk in obedience to him and as we take the steps in order to to best fulfill the calling he's placed in our life. Right. Um, you know, I'd also be interested to hear, um, is there a theologically informed manner that you can guide someone who is feels that they are called to adoption, that you can guide them in the decision-making process? I like to use Micah 6.8 as a framework for considering adoption. You know, it says, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Mm -hmm. So if we're thinking about seeking justice, Psalm 10.14 says, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. So God has a heart for justice for the fatherless. Mm. Only half of 1% of the world's 153 million orphans will be adopted. So as believers, we need to pursue adoption, but really also care for vulnerable children in a much broader sense. If we're called to care for the fatherless, we need to educate ourselves about the issues surrounding and causing children to be orphans like poverty, HIV, human trafficking, etc. We should aim to holistically equip and enable parents to care for their children or for the children to be cared for in their own community or their own country. When this, unfortunately, isn't a possibility, then yes, we pursue adoption as one piece of the puzzle of caring for orphan and vulnerable children. Hmm. You know, as believers, we're really called to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. That includes just asking ourselves, you know, are my actions reflecting God's heart for justice? Yeah. Hmm. Also, when we think about loving mercy, this includes mercy for the child that has experienced trauma loss, but also, you know, in foster care, domestic open adoption, this could be mercy for birth parents right. or defects workers. Second Corinthians 5.18 says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Christ doesn't just redeem us, but he restores us. You know, there are cool stories about um, either through foster care or open adoption uh, where a family had a heart for the birth parents as well and Mm -hmm. really considered their ministry of reconciliation and where the birth parents came to Christ because of that ministry. And so it wasn't just centered on adoption, but it was a ministry to the entire family. Right. Yeah, that makes me think of what you said earlier about how you said adoption is about finding a family for a child, not Mm -hmm. a child for a family. I feel like that's an extension of that, right? That we're not viewing this just as well, I need adoption to fill my my need, right. right? To fill my void. But that this is a way of 
showing God's love to those around us, to our neighbors, whether it be the child that you're adopting or like you said, the birth parents. Right. Absolutely. And I like how you talked about justice and, you know, having a theologically informed manner to guide us because I think apart from having that theological foundation and that doctrine of adoption to kind of propel us and compel us in this way, then adoption could kind of just be seen in the world as just like a charity or something. But when we root it in our theology and in the word of God, then we realize that like adoption is kind of one area that Christians can go to war against in terms of fighting against the sin and the brokenness in this world. And when I hear of the word justice and how God is just and he's merciful. He, I just feel like, I don't know, it's like an invitation to come alongside him in, in this kind of war and, and pursue justice and seek justice. Absolutely. Yeah. But also knowing that adoption needs to be child-centered and not, you know, sometimes the best justice can be supporting a family in poverty yeah. so that they can are able to provide for their own children Mm -hmm. or, you know, there are stories out of China where parents, you know, have to make a choice, say their child has um, needs heart surgery Mm -hmm. or has cancer that that parent has to choose between watching their child die or. It's not like they don't want to parent their child. It's just that they have other barriers. So I think you're right. Like don't, we don't want to be the rescuer in this story. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, Because sometimes it it can become that like, you know, I have resources, I have this and that's not what God intended. You know, God is sovereign and he placed that child in that family. And so kind of brings us to our next point about walk humbly with God. You know, adoption takes a lot of humility. We are not white rescuers coming in to save the day. Mm. You know, especially if you're adopting transracially or transculturally, we really need to examine our lives and our hearts um, before considering adoption. You know, I don't know what it's like to grow up as an adoptee or to grow up as a Chinese American person. So just like I don't know what it's like to grow up as a deaf person, and I provide mentors from the deaf community for my girls, Mm. um, it's really hard to admit that I'm not all my kids need. Mm. Uh, It takes takes a lot of humility, and, and really just feeling compassion is not a reason in itself to adopt. Mm. Um, It will not be enough to get through the challenges. Definitely don't want our identities to to come from the act of adoption. Right. Yeah. It requires willingness to become educated. And really, there's a lot of work to put in. Yeah. So we can't just, we can't just feel sorry for orphans. Um, We need to be equipped and prepared and educated moving into adoption. Now, Corinne, did you have any specific resources that you wanted to share with us um, about this topic and for those who are maybe considering adoption? One of my favorite books um, is the book called Orphan Justice. Um, And this just kind of is back to what we were talking about, about, you know, the holistic orphan care. Um, It takes all the issues that are surrounding um, vulnerable children, like we said, HIV, um, poverty, that kind of thing. Um, it explains each one, and then it breaks it down into action steps on three levels. So it says what anyone can do, what many can do, and what a few can do mm. is wonderful. I highly, highly recommend it. That sounds like a great resource, even for those who maybe don't feel called to adopt right now, Absolutely. but are wondering how they can help and how they can support and come alongside those who are. Absolutely. And it's really not adoption-centered, It really is, like we said, talking about those issues and how there's a whole stream of reasons that place vulnerable children um, in those positions. Right. And so adoption, like we said, is just one piece of the puzzle of the solution. It's not the solution. Right. Lifeline is an adoption agency. They have a wonderful podcast called the Defender Podcast. It really provides a lot of gospel-centered information and education about adoption. 
Um, also, just a few practical books. Um, if you're interested in adopting from China, there's a book called Mine in China um, that's really informative. Um, a book called The Connected Child about um, parenting kids from trauma backgrounds. So, Corinne, as we wrap up, do you just have any final thoughts for us today? I think one thing, you know, we talked about so many heavy things about yeah. issues surrounding orphan care and the challenges facing facing special needs parents and adoptive parents. Um, but I just want to say also just um, to end on a note of hope that really, I mean, we we love our children and mm. we are just so anxiously oh, counting down the days yeah. before it was years, now we're Yay! months and then now days <laughs> um, until we can go get our son. And we just could not be any more excited. Mm. And, um, and just really what, that there's so much joy. Again, we talked about heavy stuff, but, but just to encourage people that, you know, there's, there's a lot of joy in this too. Joy in special needs parenting and in, uh, adoption and it's just it's all fun yeah and i i love that as you've been talking just like a common thread that i've been hearing you talk about is god's goodness and his faithfulness in the midst of all of this and just how you have been able to see that and experience that in a way that you probably would not have otherwise and so i love i love to see how god god is in our circumstances like you said even when it feels hard that he uses it to produce a lasting joy and an eternal joy. Absolutely. We just treasure our children so much, just knowing what we've walked through and, Mm. you know, especially with this adoption. And so it just, just makes a special little bond in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Corinne, we like to ask three questions from every one of our guests here on Mm. the podcast. And these are just for fun to get to know you a little bit more. So the first one is, what is currently on your nightstand? All the books. Ah. I mean, really, (laughs) it's it's a problem. Um, Let's see. Right now, I'm reading Grace Laced. Okay. Um, I just got that for Christmas. Yes, me too. (laughs) Um, In His Image by Jen Wilkin. Mm. Such a good one. And, you know, some adoption books, attachment type stuff. Um, And then a lot of books that I'm reading with my girls. So, Corinne, what's one thing you can't live without? I think it would be some deep answer, but really it's just Mexican food. Tacos, (laughs) queso. Yes. Guacamole. I'm all about some guacamole. No, it's, I I just, I can't live without it. Mm. (laughs) You know, I probably should say my family. mm, (laughs) It's the tacos. Mexican food. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You gotta love a good taco. We just taught my daughter how to say taco. And it's the cutest thing. (laughs) Taco. taco. It's really cute. (laughs) Cute. Okay. uh, What is one resource? This could be a book. It could be a person. It could be an experience or a movie that has most stirred your affection for God's word. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, it's hard to narrow it down to just one yes. thing or one person. I mean, love Jen Wilkin. That's mm. that's probably a given. Um, I would also say, too, I think there's so many, re- you know, we're so lucky to have so many resources, podcasts such as this and um, books and, I mean, just yeah. everything. We have it right at our fingertips. But I, I really think... Nothing replaces the local church mm, yes, with yes. Um, just bringing us into the word of God and into community and accountability. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent with you agree. there. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to encourage you, ladies, you know, as you listen to this podcast or other podcasts or as you, you know, read books and just have all these awesome resources at your fingertips. They're great resources, but we do want to encourage you that just like Corinne said, there is no replacement for the local church. And, um, you know, we always want to push that of, you know, get involved in a community. God created us to live in community with one another. Well, I wanted to say thank you, Corinne, for um, joining us in this conversation. I know that we did talk about a lot of hard things, but like you said, I think this is a conversation that we really need to have in the local church. Um, it's really the place as God's people to um, be talking about it and to be um, joining God in this mission towards adoption. And that looks like we talked about today, um, so different to so many different people, but just really having the heart to care for orphans and 
um, image God better in that way. So thank you for your encouragement. Um, thank you for challenging us. And yeah, it has been a joy to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Corinne a little bit. Uh, She is just a joy and a light in our church community, I know. Um, We want to just remind you that, hey, if you have been encouraged by this podcast, um, if you have um, enjoyed this, that if you wouldn't mind going on iTunes and leaving us a quick little review, um, it helps more people be able to find us um, and so that more people can hear these encouraging stories and that more women can be equipped in God. God's word. Um, So be sure to check out our show notes from today for all those great books and resources that were mentioned at dailygracepodcast.com. Thanks so much, everyone. We will talk to you soon.